Shalom Aleichem. This is a summary on the first Sikha of Parshas Dvarim Lakutei Sikhais Chilek Yud Dalad. This is a Rashi Sikha where the Rebbe is explaining Rashi, and as we are accustomed to doing in the summary, we will go straight into the text and read how it flows beautifully from everything the Rebbe taught us based on Rashi. We're looking at the very first Pasuk of the Book of Dvarim, which is essentially the book of Moshe Rabbeinu's farewell address to the Jewish people. Over a 37-day period, he's addressing the Jewish people, and he's rebuking them, and he's encouraging them, and he's talking things over with them. And that is the book of Devarim. And who knew that so much could be packed into one pasuk? The very first pasuk, Rashi tells us, Moshe is saying numerous things. And he's hinting to numerous things. And essentially, Maisha is rebuking the Jewish people and he's going through their history and all the things that they have done wrong in the desert. And the reason why he's hinting at these wrong things without saying it outright is an honor because of the honor of the Jewish people. Maisha Rabbeinu didn't want to say it explicitly or write it explicitly. So he hints at it by pointing either to the uh, place where the event occurred or to some factor, to some detail of the event. And even a minor detail, which doesn't really bring out the event, but that's enough to hint to the sin because of the honor of Israel. Now, once it's understood that Moshe is going out of his way to try to honor the Jewish people. And he's not saying the sin explicitly, he's hinting at the place. Within each sin itself, we know that there's always a limbutzchus that could be had. There's always a way to find merit. There's always a way to say that the person wasn't fully responsible for their action. There's always a mitigating factor. There's a way to minimize the responsibility for the sin that took place. And indeed, the Rebbe points out that by each item listed in this pasuk, either it's obvious the limut schus, the mitigating factor that Moshe would have mentioned, and if it's not obvious, Rashi tells you of it, or Rashi hints at it at least. So let's go through the list. The pasuk says, These are the words that Moshe spoke in the wilderness across the Jordan. And what did he say? He begins his words, that rebuking of the Jewish people, like we said, Bamidbar in the desert, referring to specifically, as Rashi explains, to the event where the Jews, in the a month after they had left Egypt, they said, "Me ten Musenu Bamidbar." If only we had died in Egypt, and now we're starving and we're thirsty, and we remember we once had proper amounts of food in Egypt, and now we're hungry. And why did you bring us into the wilderness? Which eventually had ended with Hashem sending them the manna, the, the mon, and so on. But the fact that they had such a lack of faith and they were talking this way, this, Maisha Ben is rebuking them that this is not the way Jewish people are supposed to behave and conduct themselves. The mitigating factor is, is that when you study where this event took place precisely, it's in Midbar Sin, there's an exact location. Instead of giving that precise location, it says Bamidbar in the desert, which is very general. The Jews were all different kinds of places throughout the desert. So Moshe is hinting to the mitigating factor, the fact that the Jews were 
intimidated by the desert. It was a very, very fearsome and scary desert with snakes and scorpions and so on. And that's why they felt a sense of discontent and they felt discombobulated. And they would ha- and at that moment, they felt that they'd rather be in a Mokim Yishuv in a settled, normal country rather than live in the chaotic desert. So Bamidbar, this is a mitigating factor in their sin. The next sin that Moshe rebukes them for is Bo'arava in the plain, in the plain, the with a with a hey hayadia, with meaning a known plane. It doesn't say in a plane. In the plane is referring specifically to Arvis Moiv, the plains of Moab, which is the sin where the Moabites, together with the Midianites, they invaded the Jewish camp with women in order to entice the Jewish men to sin with them. Over here as well, the question could be asked. There's an explicit place where this took place. Instead of saying that, it says in the plain, the plain of Moyov. By definition, if you say the plain, you mean the plains of Moyov, like Rashi translates. Why do you why didn't Moshe give the location? If he's already giving a location, give a more exact location. Because again, Moshe was giving a minim, a minimizing, a mitigating factor. Because they were such a licentious people. They were people who were so obsessed with Znus, and we know their heritage going back to the book of Bereshis. The nation was created from the daughter of Moab being with her father, and then she named her son born from that union, Moab, which means from my father. And Hashem tells the Jewish people to not make peace with this nation, to have a state of contention with this nation of Moab in the future going throughout the generations. They're not allowed to marry into the Jewish people, even, even if one converts from that nation. And the question is why? God doesn't hold children responsible for the sins of their parents. And the answer is, Rashi already taught us that indeed Hashem does hold you responsible for the sins of your parents if you continue in their ways. If you continue the ways of your parents, their sinful ways, and you extend it further, then you are held responsible. So the fact that Hashem is punishing the nation of Moab tells us that they are a promiscuous people. And being that that's the case, this helps explain why the Jews fell for it. And tens of thousands of Jews were with the daughters of Moab and Midian. Why did they fall for it? Because they were in such a, an environment that it's so hard to withstand the temptation and they fell through. Continues the Pasuk, Milsuf, opposite the Sea of Reeds, which refers to that when they were standing at the Sea of Reeds, they by Yamsuf, and they were being chased by the Egyptian enemy. And they had the ocean in front of them, the sea in front of them, they said, we wish we went back to Egypt, and they complained to Moshe, and they seemed to lack faith. And as well as when they crossed the Yamsuf, and they were collecting all the booty and the plunder and the spoils from the Egyptian army, Moshe had to force them to leave. This is the sin being referred to. And the mitigating factor is very clear. Opposite the Sea of Reeds, the Pasuk says, Milsuf, which means that imagine being in that scenario where you're trapped. You're, you're, they have an invading army, a massive army, hundreds of thousands of soldiers behind you, chasing you, trying to kill you. You have an ocean in front of you. This would lead even the strongest of heart to fear and to the situation that they were in. And of course, them trying to collect the spoils, Hashem had explicitly wanted them to get as much spoils from the Egyptians as possible. So the fact that they were, didn't leave when Moshe told them to leave, of course, is understandable. Continues, Moshe Rabbeinu, Ben Paran, 
between Paran. He's referring to the sin of the spies. And Rashi tells us regarding the sin of the spies, instead of just saying the sin of the spies, Rashi says, through the Meraglim, not the sin of the Meraglim, because of the Meraglim or through the Meraglim, which means that there's always the excuse that there was great men who, men who managed to convince the Jewish people, lead them into a frenzy, and they, the Jewish people fell for it, but they, they weren't fully knowledgeable when they were sinning. They were fooled into it. Continues the Pasukavain, and between Teufel and Lavan. Rashi tells us this is actually not a place. This is the description of a sin. What is the sin? The sin is when the Jews had problems with the mon. They had the mon for many, many years, and they had a problem with it. They were the saying how we never... It, it, it's it, we never go to the bathroom. There's something wrong with this food. It's a light food, and basically they had problems with the mon. They were cursing out the mon. They were beginning even a rebellion over this simple issue of the mon. The word teufel comes from the word to smear, to smear. So they were they smeared and slandered love on white. The color of the mon was white. Why is Maisha focusing on this inconsequential detail of the color of the mon? Because again. Moshe is not here to discuss explicitly their sin. He wants to do it in a in an roundabout way. And therefore, he just mentions a detail that it was white, the mon was white, and that they slandered the mon. And of course, this is why Rashi understands that it can't mean a place, because there's no explanation why the Jews would have chosen such a random detail about the mon to describe the place. Describe the sin, then describe the sin. Right, say teifel mon, for example, they smeared the mon. No, the white thing. No, it can't be a place. This is a description of the sin given by Moshe Rabbeinu. And what is the mitigating factor in the sin? The fact that it was white, as a matter of fact, because white represents purity and simplicity. White. That's what white, white represents. Really, what the Jews? The reason why they had a problem with the mon. How could anyone have a problem with the mon? You have this free food that comes every day. You could taste whatever you want in it. It's a wonderful thing. The problem was that they couldn't, the Jews wanted a real piece of meat that they could sink their teeth into and they could have the blood and the grease ooze down their chin. That's what they wanted. They were physical people. This was too spiritual for them. They couldn't grasp it with their hands. They couldn't They couldn't see it. They, could, they couldn't relate to it. They felt it was too godly. It was too abstract. It was too simple. It was... And that's what white represents, the simplicity, the godliness. And that is why they had the general feeling of uncomfortability with the mon, which led them to that particular rebellion. Continues the Pasuk Vachatzerais, which is referring to the place where Kairach led the insurrection against the Moshe. And Rashis could have said, could have easily said, the machloikas, the argument of Kairach and his congregation. But instead, Rashi says, Kairach's rebellion. Because Rashi is trying to give a minimizing and mitigating factor, and he gave sim- a similar to one, the one that he gave by the Meraglim, by the spies, that he says it was really Kairach's fault. Kairach was the instigator. Kairach is the one who made everybody do it. Kairach was such a convincing man. And the Apostle concludes, Vidizahav and Vidizahav. Which Rashi learns again is not a location, it is a description of the sin. And Dizahav comes from a similar word of Bey Zahav, which means enough gold. That the Jews had this abundant amount of gold, and from this gold they crafted and formed the golden calf. This he's referring to the sin of the golden calf. And there's actually, and it, the description of the sin is that there was an abundance of gold. And it's actually very interesting. 
because this could be the fact that there was an abundance of gold could be both a minimizing factor, a mitigating factor, and an aggravating factor. The minimizing factor is already described in the Pasuk and Parshish Kisisa in the book of of Shemais, where Moshe is trying to get the Jewish people forgiven from their sin before God. And Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Hashem and he says that what are the Jews to do? You gave them such temptation. You gave them so much opportunity to sin, so much gold. And he compares it to a son of a, the king, the prince, who is given a purse full of golden coins and he's put in front of a house of prostitution. What is he to do and not to sin? So the fact that there was so much opportunity to sin, so much gold is a mitigating factor. On the other hand, it is actually an aggravating factor because there's something particularly particularly egregious when someone does you so much kindness and you use that very kindness against them. Hashem gave them, showered them with blessing, an abundance of gold. And what did they take that abundant blessing from God instead of utilizing it to serve Hashem and so on, they use that very blessing that Hashem gave them to go against God. So Rashi actually learns that being that in our context, Moshe is trying to rebuke the Jewish people, and his description of the sin of the golden calf is the gold. Clearly he's referring to the aggravating factor because he's trying to say, how could you have done this sin of the golden calf that you took all the beautiful and abundant amount of gold that God gave you and you rebelled against him. However, Rashi hints to the mitigating factor because like throughout the Pasuk, there's always a mitigating factor that Moshe wants to mention. That's what Rashi says, because of the abundance of gold that the mitigating factor mentioned in Parshish Kisisa in the book of Shmois, that what, are the, what were the Jews to do in such a position? It's so difficult to overcome the temptation with all those piles of gold. And the Rebbe concludes the talk by saying that we read this in the three weeks, the time of the destruction. And in the destruction itself, there are negative things which are also, there's a positivity involved in that very negativity itself. And the one that Rebbe focuses on is that it says, that we are sit alone in exile, we are alone. But on the other hand, there's something very special about being separate, a separate people like oil that always rises to the top. So the very factor that we're not mixed with the nations, being alone has its positive element as well. And when we focus on the positivity, this brings all the blessings and will ultimately, ultimately bring our redemption with the coming of Mashiach now.